we are back. Happy 2022. Uh, so but while we were taking our a little break, I <laughs> someone told me they were listening to the podcast for the first time and they like could figure out who everybody was, but we should probably introduce people. So uh, my name's Colby. If y'all remember the order that we go in, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Colby Complains. What's up, everybody? I'm David. You can find me on Twitter uh, and whatever at this point. It's uh, Real Goose 365 <laughs> on <laughs> Twitter.com because it is what it is. Because Goose Game was real popular. <laughs> you decided. Oh, my God. I, I, lo- I still unironically love that game. <laughs> Hello again, everybody. Happy New Year. It's your boy, Maverick. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Heartbreak Double Underscore Kid. I guess I never really clarify this, but heart is H-A-R-T, in case you had trouble finding it. It feels like I haven't talked to y'all since last year. Ah. I just want everyone to know that's the second time that he said this in the past five minutes. I, I could say it more if you want. I'm, I, 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 there's, Aaron, there's nothing I can do to stop you. <laughs> True. But anyways, as you can tell, I'm Aaron. I have not tweeted in a long time. But if you are so inclined to follow me on social media, they are all at Aaron P. Friedman. And you can find the podcast at NeverMadePod on Twitter. All right. We've had a lot happen uh, since the last time that we talked. So we did all of our friendship talking before the show, and we're just going to jump into it. Uh, Starting with the bowl game, uh, North Carolina versus South Carolina in Charlotte. Both Mav and I were there. Yep, we were with some band folk behind the band section. Um, also with a lot of South Carolina people. <laughs> yeah, Colby uh, was much more like more like when you like spending time in Uptown with the uh, your guys' tailgate. Yeah, I spent a little time um, with the tailgate, uh, just hanging out. But on from where we parked to the tailgate, we kind of had to like pass the stadium and keep going. And you could tell before kickoff that it was going to be a large South Carolina contingent for that game. Yeah, it was about 65-35 probably once game started. And despite being pretty heavily in the UNC side, um, our specific section, we were surrounded uh, by Gamecock fans. Yep. Um, Even some were like, wait, I thought we were on our side. This is the North Carolina side. Like, nope. And so... I mean, it made for a good game. For the, um, we'll get to the one how the game actually went down. But for the most part, though, a, a pretty amicable uh, interaction with the Gamecock fans. Yeah, they they were chill. It was fun. Um, at one point, one of them said, uh, "F you, Sam Howell. Nobody likes Sam Howell." I was like, "What does Sam Howell do to y'all?" And then I remember <laughs> what Sam Howell did to them. I was like, oh, my bad. <laughs> well, you think they should be thanking him because that's how they got rid of their coach to now get Shane Beamer. Who I think is a very good coach. So um, perhaps you should be thanking a, Sam Howell. <laughs> I would even go as far as saying he is a top two Beamer. I, I think that would be correct. Uh, but we don't have to get into the intricacies of that game. It's been a while. Y'all know how it went. It was not good. It was not fun. It felt like worse than a 17-point loss. Can I ask one question yeah. regarding the fans? Which one was worse? The Clemson fans when we were at BOA or uh, South Carolina fans when y'all were at BOA? Clemson. I know we were with the band. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say Clemson too. 
<laughs> so, I had a way worse experience with Clemson fans. Yeah, like I didn't I didn't actually remember much about how Clemson's fans were for the ACC championship. I just remember they were very loud and into the game, but I didn't see any much nastiness, at least for that. Um, I, I remember really hearing had... a story about how Henry's plume got stolen by a Clemson fan. Maybe. Trying to sit on me when I was walking up the concourse. So yeah, but it, it honestly wasn't bad. Like everybody was nice, and but we were also like, hey, we we want. Kobe was like <laughs> looking. I was like, you know what? They're having fun, and they deserve to have fun. Their team is winning. I'd like to have fun. <laughs> I like. Fun. I, I turned around. I was like, I'd be having fun too. <laughs> like, Level-headed take. I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. You know, once again, it was just expectations being flipped on its head. Um, every outlet, every prediction going into the game was that this is a, a battered and beaten South Carolina team. Had several opt-outs. They their third-string quarterback opted for the transfer portal, so they were playing um, Zeb, who was their graduate assistant, who had a year of eligibility behind him. Um, their leading rusher uh, opted out for the game for the NFL. It was just like this. This is and also uh, one of the worst running defenses in the SEC um, so that Carolina should be able to run the ball, should beat them handedly, maybe get some confidence back going into the next season. Um, and that flipped on the head. It was South Carolina that couldn't be stopped in their running game, um, naturally putting up a season high in total yards. Um, they ended up putting in one of their wide receivers uh, at quarterback who was nine for nine passing. Uh, Colby was really kind um, as to update the South Carolina fans on all like the record breaking and um, season high statistics uh, just to further um, increase their spirits and such. Uh, but it was I'm just, a giver. Yeah, it was. There was I don't think there was really ever a point where the mood was really high on our side. Nope, not on our sideline. It was pretty, <clears throat> pretty rough. Uh but yeah, we, we lost by a lot. And leaving that game, I was talking to the in-laws because that's who I went to the game with. And I straight up said, I just don't know how you keep Phil, or not Phil Longo. I don't know how you keep Jay Bateman after this. Like, I, I can at least entertain an argument for keeping Jay Bateman. Like, I, I don't think that keeping Jay Bateman is going to like tank the program into like depths that we've never seen before. Uh, but that kind of defensive performance had happened over and over and over and over, over the past three years, champion conference championship winning teams do not have defenses that do that. Well, I, the frustrating part for me over the past three years with Jay Bateman is the consistency of the lack of consistency. You know what I'm saying? Like it was consistent that we were not going to be consistent. Like the, there is not one thing on this defense that I could say we did this really well. Like I'm like, oh man, these safeties are, are terrible, but you know what? Our front seven are wonderful. You know, we're going to get to the quarterback or, you know, our cornerbacks are really good, but you know, we're, we're having a hard time getting pressure on the quarterback. You know, like there's nothing that I could point to to where there was a big negative, but I could say, oh, well, you know what? At least we do this. Well, you know, maybe we're really good at man-to-man coverage. Maybe we're great at running a cover three. Like, I don't know. Maybe we deal really well against the run. Nothing. There was like nothing that I could point to that like consistently we were good at. And there was always 
a level of unpreparedness that I felt that the team had, like, like we wouldn't had it in like, Oh my goodness, never in a thousand years would I have expected this third string quarterback to be in it. And now, and now that this third string quarterback is in, we're going to get shredded because we didn't prepare for this third string quarterback. Like it's just stupid stuff like that where, and, and it's almost to a T like if something like that happens, like, for example, like I can't remember what team it was that they started, decided to play their, um, their rushing, like their more rushing centered quarterback instead of their passing heavy quarterback. Was that Virginia um, Tech a couple years ago? No, it wasn't Virginia Tech. I know which game you're talking about, though. You know, you know what I'm talking about, but well, um, it might have been when, when they when they it was a game we won. But when they took out Burmeister and they put in Hendon Hooker, when that is how Virginia Tech came back on us. But the fact that we are probably thinking about two different games here right? <laughs> is part of the problem. <laughs> I mean, so, you go all yeah. the way back to the Baylor game where they're on their third string quarterback and just run Wildcat and make set a bull record in three quarters in rushing yards. Um, it's just historically been something that UNC has just absolutely fallen flat against. Well, well you know who our defensive coordinator was when that happened? Wait, <laughs> yeah, he was, right? He was. Yeah, we, we can get to that in a second, I'm sure. But um the it just feels like the talent level and i feel and you could you can tell me if i'm wrong but i feel like the talent level has increased but the production has either decreased or gotten stagnant like oh like you could say all right you're one year two year three these are the things that got better you know these are things that got better like hey you know jay bayman when he came in for year one this was a struggling point with his defense but you know they got consistency over three years i felt like we got worse (laughs) And that maybe oh. the statistics don't no as maybe the statistics don't back that up. Maybe they did get better over three years. No. But from like what I can see, it got worse. Yeah, no. Um our defensive rankings have dropped twenty to thirty spots every year since twenty nineteen. I think the last time I checked SP plus, we were in the nineties. Yeah, it was like 40, late yeah, like late forties, then it jumped up to sixties last year and then nineties this year. So it is getting worse. Yeah. Okay. And this is also after, which was a problem in 2015, where the scheme, for whatever reason, was not being executed properly, and then they attempt to simplify it. Um, but the argument for Jay Bateman was is that this specific one perhaps isn't successful at the Power 5 level. Again, something Colby has always pointed out, also with how the offense works, it's not a defense you want to keep out um, extensively. Um but yeah, so for whatever reason, it, it's just not being executed. Yeah, so from what I've noticed schematically, I we run a lot of three-man fronts, um, which there are positives to. It makes you a little bit more multiple. It makes you a little bit less predictable. You can show pretty much a lot of the same fronts and formations on defense, and be able to go to different defenses out of the same formation very easily, which is a good thing. But you also have to have the athletes to do it. If you look at Georgia this year, which, you know, an outlier, of course, um, but they run a similar sort of off or, or defense, or they live, they run like the next level up of defense that Carolina runs. We are not running the stuff that Georgia does because we can't. Um, but like the stuff on a defensive line where they have their nose tackle playing a gap and a half, which basically means 
in the run fit on run defense, you are going to be defending one gap. Um, but if the run goes the other way, you're you're going to get out of that gap and go to the the next one on the, or go to the same gap on that side of the ball. Um, this is normally like the both a gaps. Um, they can do that because they have those athletes on the defensive line. Uh, if you're asking a Ravo Hasek to play a gap and a half, like that's not going to be very successful. I think he's a decent to good defensive tackle, but you're asking him to do something that's just not going to be sustainable over the course of a game and especially over the course of a season. And like I said, I think he was pretty good this year. Um, and just the lack of adjustments from year to year is is what frustrates me a lot with Bateman because you're not going to be able to change a front between weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, But you should be able to make those adjustments from year to year. And it just didn't happen. And then also, if you're going to only, because I think one of the big issues too, is just with three man front, there's just been little to no pressure in certain aspects of the game. And so you would think if you're only going to put three people on the line, surely you should be able to defend the pass really well because you have eight players in the secondary, but even that was, was faltering. So yeah, uh, Bateman's up out of here. Uh, <laughs> just uh, p- politely ask, ask Bateman to uh, move on to other opportunities. I'm not sure if in the end it was a, a firing or a resignation. I'm not Mutually sure. Parting that, ways was the official. Whatever that means. <laughs> um, <laughs> that means a lot. Um, also, Javon DeWitt, correct? Mm-hmm, special um, teams coordinator. And linebackers coach. Right? Outside linebackers Outside coach. Outside linebackers coach. Which is also something we can get into. Um, and it it took little to no time uh, for there to be a turnaround. So y'all know it. Aaron already alluded to it. Uh, another return to Chapel Hill. Uh, Gene Chizik. <laughs> Uh, oh, being brought shit. back here we go the, again for the <laughs> position he left in 2016 uh, being but now not even just defensive coordinator assistant head coach of the defense I was gonna say so does that mean that we have a separate defensive coordinator because we also I don't have a because def- so. the other guy is co-defensive coordinator right yeah so yeah. is they're a second co-defensive coordinator or is it Chizik is the assistant head coach of the defense and that guy is co-defensive coordinator with himself i'm not quite so sure. i think it's for role I, I need like an org chart yeah an org chart chart actually would be helpful here um <laughs> I, I i think what it is is he is the assistant head coach for defense acting as defensive coordinator if that makes sense moderately so but and then the second hire being is another return to Chapel Hill was Charlton Warren, um, who had spent who was just at a year at Indiana as defensive coordinator, but uh, had several stints um, after he left us in Alabama, Georgia, uh, did a tour of the SEC East um, with several teams, and so I think that was something on the wish list. I think of a lot of fans was wanting because the talking point has been it seems like there's a culture issue. Um, because it's not even just execution, just a lack of buy-in at times to the philosophy, the things like that. Um, And yes, while we can get into necessarily struggles that Chizik had in his first tenure here, I think it's fair to say there are a lot of differences as well, because this is a much more talented team than the one he inherited in 2015. 
um, the trajectory, I would say, is, is, is definitely more possible, more po positive in the grand scheme of things. Um, and so perhaps some of the issues that he experienced before won't can be minimized this time around. Also, just so we can timestamp this in time, uh, the Colts are imploding right now, and it's really funny. Yeah. Anyway, oh, we can go back yeah. to, oh, I love that. to this conversation, but this is, I just um, want to make sure that everyone who, uh, or all three of you know that this is something that's happening at the yeah. moment, first and goal for I've got it. I've got it up here. I've, I've been like checking in. Like, <laughs> as so, so again, and, and this was the thing too, is that when they came in in 2015, uh, and this is the season we win the Coastal, uh, get to the ACC championship game, go 11-1 in the regular season. North Carolina was the most improved defense um, and also the most improved with pass defense efficiency. Um, and that was under Charlton Warren's hand. Um, and so now he's coming in to be the safeties coach, um, which was Jay Bateman's kind of secondary duties. Was primary, he was defensive coordinator, but specifically focused on safeties. But now they'll get specific attention from one coach. Um, so hopefully that is something that can be addressed more. Um, but they've proven they proved that they were able to improve those defense. The issue was run defense before, and it was just a thing where we just didn't have necessarily the talent or the personnel to execute Chiswick's defense. So the, he, I, I remember he went, had press conferences where he essentially admitted he's like, "I'm willing to give up running games to to keep." in front of players, a, a very bend but don't break kind of defense, but lock it down in the pass. Um, but again, if with the personnel we have now, hopefully that can be minimized and we can begin to employ the type of scheme that he wants for a defense. Because again, he's one of the best defensive minds in, in college football. Even though he's been out of the league for four years, he still won a national championship with Auburn in 2010. He was Mac Brown's defensive coordinator when they won the national championship in 2005. So he knows how to get there. Um, and I feel like he's the type of person he, he has a philosophy and stuff that he commands respect from the players. He's going to, he can get them to buy in because we, we, and we've seen him get a North Carolina team to buy in and give a drastic change. It, it, it's not lost on me that also North Carolina football was six and seven the year before they go 11 and one to the, ACC championship game, losing in embarrassing fashion in the bowl game previously. So we've seen it and it can happen. So let's talk about the this job title because I'm concerned about it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am concerned that, you know, that's a that's an interesting thing to say, the interesting title to give to your your new person that's going to be calling defensive plays, you know? Mm -hmm. Sounds I mean, like assistant to the regional manager. I was going to say that. How do y'all feel about, you know, two, three years from now, head coach Gene Chizik? I mean, we, we naturally have to see how things go. Um, but whether we like it or not, Max not, got way less years left than he's already had. Um, it would be, it's going to be very soon that. He's probably going to hang it up. And we've often said on this podcast is thinking about like who we hire as coordinators, uh, what a selling point be 
that we're hiring someone with anticipation of them becoming head coach when he leaves. Um, I mean, I, I think it's a real possibility if they really do turn things around. Again, he's he is still an older person, but he he still has that credibility as well that he's reached the mountaintop. Is it perhaps the direction people want to go in? That's debatable. Um, I would rather head coach Gene Chizik than head coach Jay Bateman or Phil Longo. I mean, fair enough, but also Gene Chizik minus uh, one of the best quarterbacking seasons we might have, or maybe the best quarterbacking seasons we've ever seen in college football. Um, was I like outside of that season? It's not like he was racking up wins. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm concerned about. Yeah, but that had again, he, again that's he... not also to say that maybe this is just nothing. Maybe it's just for payment, it's pay purposes, um, perhaps to get him out of his uh, cush ESPN job with the SEC Network through some extra dollars in there, and you need this type of a title to get that. That that it could be just as simple as that. Um, I mean, one thing that. I'm still waiting to see. I think one thing that caused a lot of speculation when this first was kind of breaking us was that, that he was offered a job with the USWL and there was speculation he took that job. And then he went on Twitter and said that it's not quite, there's nothing official yet. And then USFL. USFL, excuse me. Um, it, even though it would be great if he was coaching women's soccer, but I don't believe that sorry. He is. Yeah, sorry there. <laughs> no, you're um, good. You're good. <laughs> but went out. Um, Tweeted that it's what nothing was official unless 24 hours later he's announced as North Carolina's assistant head coach of the defense. Um, so yeah, I it, it could be something that it semantic at this point. So we'll we'll just have to wait and see. So Gene Chizik, defensive coordinator. I, as far as, um, and I'm going to call him defensive coordinator because I'm not going to say all his job titles too many words, um, and my brain's very small. Um, I, I'm in wait and see. I don't think that it's a terrible hire for those purposes, but as at least for what it sounds like from Carolina fans, this is a very Carolina hire. Uh, y'all want to talk about basketball? Sure. Which one? Notre Dame first. Um, oh, let's talk about which team. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, less um because I like the I like the women uh, <laughs> better at the moment. So let's so talk let's, about the men. Let's get the men out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Notre Dame this week that was a very gross game, very yucky. Ugh. Candy. Candidly, I did not get a chance to watch it, and I'm re- I like from everything I was reading, I'm really glad that I didn't. <laughs> so, likewise, I was watching Dirt Nowitzki's jersey retirement instead, and I, that proved to be a really good decision. <laughs> I also was not watching, but I think that my excuse is most valid because my excuse is always most valid. Um, but because watching things during the week on the West Coast is hard because they start when I'm at work, and then I have less motivation to start to catch up when I get home. Then let's do this. Let's let's talk mostly about UVA and I can bring up the differences between Notre Dame and UVA. Uh 
I think a lot of, and we could talk about, because David, you had some interesting questions about, you know, why we had the success against Virginia that we did. Um, But starting out, there is such a difference of energy from this team just playing at home. And Mm -hmm. I wish we could just bottle that up, just literally just the energy part of it, just bottle that up and just be able to take it outside of the Dean Dome would be fantastic. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I, I think, uh, I mean, I remember, you. I know, like, I, I forgot what, I think it was during the UVA game that they showed the graphic of, like, the home versus the away record. And I get that you're playing in front of your own crowd, like your home crowd, but, you know, you've got to be able to execute on the road in the ACC. And I know that Notre Dame, the Notre Dame game was apparently, like, a very sleepy game. Like, there was not a big crowd. It was very like low energy from a crowd perspective, but like as a basketball team, you have to be able to create your own energy on the court. So I don't, I don't buy the, I don't know why I don't buy the excuse of having a, a lame crowd being the reason for a loss, but cause this team is like, it's it, the frustrating part about this team is the same thing that I'm frustrated about with the defense of the Carolina team is the lack of consistency. Like one day you look like you could beat anybody You're executing at a high level. You've got lots of energy. Your defense is great. And then another game, you look like you just like woke up out of bed and decided to step on a court. Yeah. And you never know. The way that we played yesterday, we looked like we could beat a lot of teams, but then there are games like against Kentucky where we would probably lose to a lot of high school teams. Mm. I picked out two quotes from the the Notre Dame game um, that stuck out and I think had storylines to go for it. So the first was from Caleb Love where he literally like, I just wasn't giving it my all in the first half. Um, I think that lit up a lot of fans just because, A, it's like, why? How was the reason why at times this team just can't create their own energy? They can't feel motivated, uh, or at least it, it shows that way on the court. And then in, in that case, it puts you in a hole. Um, you have to cr- try to climb out of it, but oftentimes when – both our football team and basketball team get punched in the mouth. Um, doesn't really give a, a response to be able to, to get them back in the game or a win um, and such. Um, but and the second one was from Armando, just saying that it was a flat out embarrassment um, and such. And so both of them did, uh, to credit to both of them, did respond in the UVA game. Both played really well. Caleb was shoot, shot over 50%, I believe, from three. Um, Armando had 29 and 21, both career highs. Um, First 2020 game against Virginia since Tim Duncan. So yeah. To credit to them both. But again, it's the sort of thing where this team cannot afford to come out of game slow without maximum effort and such. Like this team playing a B game is not going to win. They have to play their best game every single time. Right. I I think this team is better than like, as far as like team construction is better than the past two years teams. Um, but the margin of um, error is not the same as say the 2019 or the 2017 teams or the 2016 teams. Those mm. teams could play at 85% and still beat most teams in the country. This team cannot. Um, but what I saw against Virginia was very encouraging. Um, David, you're going to say something. 
Yeah, no. So I was going to say, like, just in the on the energy thing, like, you know, when you read quotes and, you know, it, it might just I don't know if it's a coaching thing. Again, I don't know if it's because I think it was I think it was Hubert Davis. Didn't he say he's like, I don't coach energy like I don't coach. He doesn't coach yeah. effort. 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 There you go. effort. Um, but, you know, when you have Caleb Love coming out and saying, I didn't give it my all in the first half of the Notre Dame game, that that's the kind of thing where you're like, well, that's what we're talking about. Like, you can't pick and choose where you're going to give your energy. Like, you got to bring the fire and the energy against Notre Dame or else you end up losing to Notre Dame. Whereas UVA, you could see that it had gotten addressed. Maybe they did practice effort because it was clearly different. Um, even with a guy like Dawson Garcia out, a guy like Kerwin Walton out, we were still able to dominate a not great UVA team, but a team that's given us fits regardless. And look what happens when you give that energy. You play well, you win games, and it's fun. And what's not the like, aspect Did y'all think we were going to win this game coming in? Because I was like, well, no. the way the yeah. game, game apparently I did. Yeah, okay. Just because, like, my in my head, like, I'm thinking of UVA traditionally, and I know it's not the same team, but like, I was like, their pack line defense, their high energy. Like, I just don't know if we're going to be able to match that effort. And we did and exceeded it. So I was, just, I just, I'm just like, but it, I don't know whether it's encouraging or it leaves me more frustrated where I'm like, why can't we just do this? It's, 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 I just, I was not particularly like enthused one because we had lost seven in a row um and it, it's like it's like panthers cardinals in the league it's like titans bills you have that one team that whether schematically just or or just just by history they just always seem to have your number and that's that's what virginia is um so i wasn't too so I, I was pleasantly surprised um to see how he played against it um i mean one thing i was curious to see and it showed out is that you know it was also the Roy Williams system that seemed to have struggled just because of how bunched up everything was. And this was a type of system that should be able to beat a pack line because you're spreading out your offense, you're shooting better, things like that. And if you can shoot against Virginia and get them behind, you are putting yourself in a much better position to win. And so that, that that's exactly what happened. Um, and so I hope it's this thing where we just haven't gotten on a roll quite yet. Maybe go one or two, three, games and then it just goes right back to a you know just a bat breaker kind of game where you're just in or a head scratcher just like why did we lose those kind of games yeah with better spacing comes better lanes for driving there's better lanes for cutting um and it's tough to pass cross court against virginia because they do like to sit in those passing lanes but we were very active off the ball this game a, a lot of people were talking about oh the ball movement is great and yes the ball movement movement was great um but a lot of the a lot of those passing lanes were open because we were making that defense work we were moving um without the ball really well there was one sequence in the second half where caleb caught the or had the ball on one wing um thought about taking the shot passed it to the top of the key relocated to the other wing it had a wide open three and drained it um he hasn't always done that this team hasn't always done that they are doing it more and more as the season goes on um especially that type of relocating um 
But this team is, at least offensively, I think they're slowly starting to figure out what's working, like what works, what doesn't. Defensively, um, I think it goes back to what we were talking about, about effort. Um, Because a lot of defense, at least in my own personal opinion, is want to. Um, So, yeah, I'm interested to see. I mean, our next game is Georgia Tech at home. I'm interested to see what we do when we have to go on the road again. I agree offensively, but I think that we, that Brady Manic is incredibly streaky and we are a lot, a lot worse when he is on one of his cold streaks. I think that, I think you're right that he's very, very streaky, but I do appreciate that when his shot isn't falling, I mean, he's not going to stop shooting, but he's still active. Yes. And he, I agree. And he, he's, I think of all the uh, the players' effort on the team. I think his is consistently the highest. Um, I agree. I so that's why that that's are... why I don't mind Brady's streakiness as much. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I guess that the point that I'm making though is I feel like we are reliant mm. on him being hot, and when he's cold, he can't hit the broadside of a barn. And like we've said, consistency is one of the big problems for this team, and something like that is. My concern is that's going to undo be our undoing in crunch time. Anything, but oh, Armando Baycott is very good at basketball. He's very, okay. very good at basketball. Should yeah. we start talking Armando Baycott ACC player of the year? Nah, it's it's a little too early. Just and, okay. And, and I don't know. It, I'll, I'll pump the brakes for now. It, it's Paolo probably until something spectacular happens. I'm just Are you saying that yesterday wasn't spectacular? Well, it was spectacular for Miami, but spectacular is in maybe like Carolina beating Duke or No, um, I'm talking Armando I'm, putting I'm up a 50 burger Armando's or something like that. Armando oh. had 29 and 21. That's a Sean May stat line. That but, is spectacular. But against like I said a, a struggling UVA team, if he puts that up against Duke, maybe let's let, let, we'll we'll have a we'll start a dialogue. But against one of the worst UVA teams in the last probably decade, um, you should expect that from Armando. All I'm saying is that according to Kim Palm, number one ACC Player of the Year is Paolo Banquero. Number two was Armando Baycott. Just saying. Also, like I said. Also, number three is Alondez Williams, which I think we should be keeping an eye out for. But yeah. Like I said, there's a certain narrative that wants a certain number of touch points to happen this year. Um, Like I said, Mondo has to put up just consistent, outstanding numbers, I think, before he can take it from a certain individual's hands. Um, What else with with men's basketball before we we get out here? Um, Did y'all see... That JJ Redick last night had a was he was at the game and he did like a charity free throw and he missed the free throw. Oh no. I did see that. I didn't know it was for charity. Yeah, it was like a thousand dollar charity free throw. I hope he gets it. that that group of thousand dollars for missing that free throw. Uh, I think yeah. it was if he makes it, someone donates. Not he donates uh, if he makes it. Yeah. Okay. So I misunderstood what you're saying, but I guess we can mention now is that I'm pulled out a W in Cameron. Uh, yeah. Miami is 
They've won nine in a row, and they're five, five and, 0 in, and 0 in the ACC. I have not paid one singular attention to Miami because I was like, they probably are just whatever. They're probably going to be bottom of the barrel this year. But no, they are currently winning the ACC as of you know January 9th, 2022. Might be one of those Jim Laranaga teams. You know, whenever he has a group of 30-year-olds, he suddenly gets very good at coaching. <laughs> I've seen him do back. this before. <laughs> Isaiah Wong is very good, though. Um. All right, let's talk uh, uh women's basketball. Uh, who they played today? They played Georgia Tech today. Um, but they just suffered their first loss of the year against NC State. And I think that game, um, a lot was made of it leading up. There was a little, a little spiciness. Um may or may not have been uh, sparked by uh, a friend of the show but <laughs> um that what that game was disheartening to watch but i also think you know nc state's one of the best teams in the country they're very very good um and in women's basketball the difference between uh the number 5 and the number 20 team in the country is a lot bigger than it is in men's basketball um mm-hmm. And it was good to know where we stand in that hierarchy. Um, I also think in three years, we're going to be so good. <laughs> yeah, because like I said, we only have like two people leaving after this year. Yeah. Um, and these Deja are- Kelly is a monster. <laughs> Absolutely. She was the only reason we it was it wasn't worse of a matchup or yeah. worse of a score. Um, and so, like I said, only a sophomore. And with the COVID year, technically, we could potentially have them even as much as three years. Um, but a good bit of our starting core, or at least our major rotation, are only sophomores. May, it, sprinkle of juniors. Um, and also, Coach Banghart, someone that's done really well in the portal. And so, if they're able to keep momentum going, they could probably get some really blue chip level transfers um, from other schools. And potentially putting in together a squad. So it's definitely promising. We're, we're a couple of years away from really hitting stride, um, but there's still plenty to be happy about. Oh, tons to be happy about. This is a tournament team and they should be able to make some noise when they get there. Um, they might even be able to, to get lucky and, and rattle off a couple in the ACC tournament. Um, it just so happens that the ACC happens to be uh, one of the best conferences in the country as far as women's basketball, at yeah. least at the top, because uh, mm-hmm. Duke is ranked, um, NC State's ranked, Louisville's Louisville. ranked, Georgia Tech was ranked. Georgia, yeah, about to say, I wasn't sure. Yeah, was their battle? We're I would ranked. say we're pretty on the same level as Georgia Tech, so today should be a really good game. To be yeah. fair, though, polls in women's basketball are a sham. So they, they are. There's there's a lot of. Sure. There's a lot of pole momentum in uh, in women's basketball. Um, If you are ranked high, um, you are going to stay ranked high no matter what. Just like if you are not ranked to start the season like Carolina was, it's going to take a lot to get you ranked. Um, So I I would agree with that, Aaron. Biggest thing I personally would recommend, uh, the rematch against NC State's on January 30th in Carmichael. Um, Because of some of the chatter that's been said, it's on a Sunday. Uh, there's been a lot of chatter that 
uh, because of certain comments made about Reynolds Coliseum that they're going to show how you really pack out a stadium uh, or pack out a, a, an arena. Um, so I think Tar Heel fans would really want to show up to that game at the very least, win or lose, um, to not have uh, be embarrassed in terms of crowd attendance. Because I, admittedly, North Carolina's attendance numbers have been pretty low despite their success. Yeah, no, that's that's a hundred percent true. And I really want to go to that game, but also my favorite sport is football and the playoffs. So I so I don't know if I if I will make that game, but I was definitely looking at tickets. And if you do look at tickets, they are not that expensive. So not at all. So and there and let me tell you, as someone who has sat near the rafters in Carmichael and has also sat right on the front row, there is no bad seat in that arena. Just be in there if you can be. Remember to wear your mask and be as boosted as you can be before you go. Um, but p- go support the women. They're very good. I think we're all watching the same thing right now. Uh, all right. All right. I, just saw, I just saw Tannehill almost get rocked. <laughs> Um, and then have a 30-yard completion. Okay, since we're all watching football, let's get out of here. Um, Mav, uh, I think y'all are still going to pull this one out against the Texans. Um, the Browns are bad. Um, we're winning. My point stands. Do you uh, want do- me to do? You, do you want to extend this podcast because I could talk for a while about how <laughs> that statement is a little loaded. Listen, hey, do you you want to keep uh you want to keep Baker Mayfield? Yes. There, there were there were sports media throwing out there Panthers fans. How do you feel about uh, Baker Mayfield? <laughs> and I almost threw my phone across the, or, across also, the living Cleveland, um, Cleveland Browns quarterbacks united like the pieces hey, of Exodia to hey, also, destroy Mary yeah. Kay Cabot. Hey, also, uh, Jay Gruden or Bill O'Brien for your offensive coordinator. Let's do it. Feels bad, man. Bad. <laughs> All I'm saying. With the Baker conversation. Well, genuinely, I do think that we should keep him. But even if we wanted to give up on him, who are we, what kind of improvement are we going to get from him this offseason? Because we're not getting Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. I don't think that anyone wants Deshaun Watson. Miami does. Still. Well, but okay. I, I, what I'm saying is and maybe the want, Panthers, which makes me mad, but go ahead. I don't want Deshaun Watson. Like, obviously, if we can get. Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. Yeah, you give up whoever you have at quarterback. But beyond those two, there's no one else that's that much better than Baker in free agency that it's worth starting over. You're not going to get anyone in the draft. I mean, you can say what you want about Sam Howell, but he is the exact same quarterback as Baker Mayfield. Um, Like, if you're going to give up on him, this year is not the year, especially coming off of a year where he was injured the entire season, minus two games. Fair enough. I listen. If I'm be, if my honest take is that the is that the the Browns probably should not move on from Baker, but also I don't want the Panthers to have him either. So do <laughs> take what take what you will from that. Um, I've yeah. with him since the day that we drafted him, and that's not going to change. <laughs> that's your story, and you're sticking to it. Um, I never said what time on the day we drafted him. Just since the day <laughs> we drafted him. <laughs> One day we are going to tell an oral history of that day. Um, all right, let's call it there. So uh, we will be back 
next week to talk about Georgia Tech. And yes. Yes.